Our scripture today is found in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come to them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night, nor to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Morning, everyone. My name's Dan, and uh, I'm the pastor here at Cornerstone. And uh, here we are again to uh, sit humbly under the Word of God. And uh, hopefully you have your Bibles open ready uh, or your phone apps open ready at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, also, just to mention that every week, almost every week, uh, I create you know, discussion questions. So uh, if you do want to create a grow group uh, around the sermon that you literally have to prepare nothing for except to show up and answer a bunch of questions, this is an option. Uh, you know, you can also bring them home for your own growth, uh, further growth meditation or for your conversations around, you know, the meal table as a family. So uh, these are the different options, but these are always available at the back of the sanctuary and they're also available um, in the uh, show notes on the podcast that goes out at four o'clock in the afternoon and also um, in the description on the YouTube video that also goes out at four o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So those are all the different ways that you can access these uh, growth options. Um, 1999, see if you can figure out which one I am. It was 1999 or 2000, I was at Cardiff University and I was uh, struggling to stay awake in yet another lecture. I was studying environmental geoscience and uh, it was before the internet, it was before laptops were ubiquitous, before the internet was everywhere, social media was not a thing, not even MySpace. MySpace didn't exist yet. Uh, And the first iPod was still a couple of years away. Uh, All of my study notes were handwritten and uh, essays were typed in a computer lab that I had to walk 30 minutes to access. Uh, This is also the first time uh, I was away from home. And as you can see, I rocked the uh, tie-dye on tie-dye look (laughs) like a boss. Yeah, not everyone's able to pull that off. 
But uh, I am one of the few and the fortunate who's able to do that. Um, And I hadn't figured out how to strike a healthy work-study-life you know, balance. Hands up if you're still trying to figure out how to, st- how to strike a healthy work-life balance, throw in their st- um, study and uh, all the fun aspects of university as well. In fact, uh, study probably was more of an afterthought. Um, in between my job in the university residence kitchen and my social life, I was burning the candle at both ends. Uh, far too often, I was either, either tipsy on the one hand or tired out on the other hand. And what I now know as a wise 43-year-old is that both drunkenness and tiredness rob life of the simple joy of being alert and being awake, being in the moment when you're drunk or when you're tired, you're not alert and awake in the moment. When I was drunk, I wasn't alert. When I was fatigued, I wasn't alert which is why you'd often find me falling asleep in class. Even as I was listening to the lecturer writing my notes, I would jolt back you know, to consciousness to see this scribbled line of nonsense that I'd just written. It's a horrible feeling for your body and your mind to be longing for sleep even while you know that you need to stay awake. Hands up if you've ever experienced that, longing for sleep, but you know you've got to stay awake. Hands up if you're feeling that right now. I know that, uh, I know that the girls who went to see the movie last night that finished at 12 o'clock and then had a sleepover, I know that you're probably experiencing that now. I do wonder how, how, how different my university life would have been if I had been awake, refreshed and alert and ready to go instead of being you know, either tipsy on the one hand or tired on the other hand. And uh, it reminds me of a, um, a pun or a play on words that I used to find incredibly funny when I was a kid. And the pun goes like this. Be alert. Your country needs lerts. Okay, that's quite funny. Is that funny? Do you find that funny? Be alert. Your country needs lerts. Be alert. No, never mind. Okay, this is actually the whole theme of the service. So if you don't get this, then we're in trouble. Okay, be alert. Your country needs alerts. And, and that is, as I said, our focus. Because your community, your country, the world needs you alert and awake. Your country needs alerts. This is week three in our series called The Other Side. We've been looking at what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And I know that, uh, you know, that some of the sermons so far have uh, generated some healthy, healthy discussion, which I appreciate. And the question that we've been asking is, is heaven just a dimension or a reality that exists beyond the door of death? Is it a place far, far away or is it present right here, right now? To help us kind of hone in on this thought as we lead into the sermon, here's Sky Jatani's take. He says this, Jesus began his public ministry with a simple but stunning announcement, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, Matthew 4, 17. Other, co- other common translations say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is another case where our English translations often fail to convey Jesus's real meaning. We naturally assume that 
at hand or near means the kingdom of heaven is just around the corner, that it's almost here. But the word Jesus used conveys a completed action in the past. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of scripture in the message gets it right. God's kingdom is here. And I think perhaps that one of the dangers of thinking about heaven being purely a then and there thing and not a here and now reality is that we run the risk of actually sleeping our way through life. If God is far, far away sitting on his throne, meaning in some other location, then we start to think that maybe God is only concerned with the big stuff, with Ukraine, with Russia, with Israel and Hamas, with the persecuted church. And if he's only concerned with the big things, then we can start to think that maybe God doesn't truly care about us and our problems because God has got bigger fish to fry. And if we believe that God is on his throne somewhere over there, if he's only focused on the mega things, then we can start to believe that perhaps we're actually on our own, that he's wound up the world and he's just letting it you know, carry on. And if we are, if we do think that we're on our own, then perhaps our alertness starts to fade and we become you know, complacent. And the thinking here is when the cat is away, the mice can play. If God is over there on his throne, then really we can do anything that we want. However, if God is in the room, if the kingdom of God is right here, right now, just on the other side of this thin fabric of reality, if heaven is in fact in the room, in those moments when you do on your own those things that you do on your own when no one else is around, then perhaps your perspective would change and my perspective would change. What if Hebrews chapter 12 isn't just an ancient Greek Olympic Games metaphor? Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. What if Hebrews 12 isn't so much an analogy or a metaphor, but it's actually a picture of the saints in heaven who are literally in heaven right now, who are as close to you as the spectators are to the runners in a race, in a stand. Might this motivate you and I to run with perseverance? If heaven is purely a there and then reality on the other side of the door of death, then it kind of gives us the permission to sleepwalk through life. We think that as long as we leave this life and we go through the right door, then while we're on this side of the door, we can pretty much do whatever we want. We can go through life asleep or intoxicated. And that's kind of what Paul is getting at in our text today. And that's, re- and that's why he repeatedly uses this motif of night and day over and over and over again. Like in verse 2, we're told that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Have you thought about that? The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul is clearly getting into his puns. He would be good at dad jokes. Paul wasn't a dad, but if he was a dad, he'd be good at dad jokes. Verse 4 says that we shouldn't let the day surprises us like a thief. Verse 5 tells us that we are children of the day, that we do not belong to the night. Verse 5 also tells us that we are light, that we do not belong to the darkness. Verse 6 contrasts those who are asleep with those who are awake 
and sober. Verse 7 explains that those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So we're here introduced to two nighttime activities. At night, you're usually either sleeping or, or getting drunk, at least in Paul's thinking. And we will revisit this later. Verse 8 um, says, or verse 8, we don't have, uh, verse 8 says that we belong to the day, there it is, uh, so let's be sober and dress appropriately. And then verse 10, Paul tells us that whether we're awake, here he's changed the meaning of the pun to being alive or asleep, the meaning we are dead, we may live together with Christ because he died for us. So virtually every verse in this short passage has some reference to the night and the day or the activities that take place in the night at and the day or to the characteristics of the person who is a day dweller or a night dweller. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Paul is saying here that staying awake, that staying alert is a fight. And it's a fight that requires a particular outfit. The pajamas are off and the armor is on. We put on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Now, for many of us, as we uh, hear this, it will bring to mind the armor of God in Ephesians 6. But here in this version, 1 Thessalonians 5, the armor is more, more compact. It's just the breastplate and the helmet. And we can trace this concept of the breastplate and the helmet actually back to the image of God wearing uh, armor back in Isaiah 59:17 that says this, he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. Similar imagery again is used in uh, Romans 13 verse 12, again in relation to the day and night motif. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let's put aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Here in 1 Thessalonians 5, we are told to put on or to don faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. We are to be very intentional about wearing faith and love and the hope of salvation. It's to be as conscious as if you're putting on your clothes. You wouldn't walk out of the house naked, would you, in the morning? No. We're to be as intentional about what we're spiritually putting on. And I think that it's no accident that these three virtues that we're told to wear as those who dwell in the day, they're the same three virtues in 1 Corinthians 13. For now we see only a, a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, here they are again, faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. And the context of faith, hope and love in 1 Corinthians, just like in 1 Thessalonians, is how we live in the light of eternity. This verse is about how do we live in the light of eternity. We see in a mirror, we see only in part now, 
on, on this side of the door of death, but then we shall see face to face. Then we shall see absolutely fully. Therefore, this you know, trifactor of faith, hope, and love, it's not just a nice thing to read at a funeral. It's not just a nice thing to read at a wedding. It's actually fashion advice from God himself. Put on faith and hope and love. Faith and love as a breastplate to protect your heart and your vital organs and the hope of salvation as a helmet to protect your mind and your thought life. Staying alert is a fight. It's a fight that requires decision and intentionality and purpose. Verse 6. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Once again, Paul is setting up a binary here, night and day. In the UK, we would say something like this, or at least if you're not English, you would say something like this, that the world is made up of those who support England and those who support anyone who's playing England, right? We would say that here in Canada, perhaps it's the Maple Leafs. Uh, And that's what Paul is doing here, is he's setting up a binary. He's saying, let us not be like others, who are asleep, not, let's not be like those who are asleep, but let us, us, we, our group, be awake and sober. Paul is saying that the metaphorical night dwellers, those who dwell in the night, he's saying that if you're living in the night, then you're choosing to fall asleep. You're choosing to get drunk. And if you choose to sleep through life or to go through life in some kind of a chemically induced kind of haze, then you're being true to the type of person who is of the night. And again, Paul, Paul's not knocking alcohol. He's not knocking sleep. This is a metaphor. Maybe I'm mansplaining right now. Maybe you already got that. Um, but we do need to choose which group we're going to be part of. Are we going to be part of those who are asleep or those who are awake? Those who are drunk or those who are sober? Be alert. Your country needs alerts. Russell Brand starts off his popular YouTube videos with these words. He says it every time. Hello, you awakening wonders. And people want to be seen as awake. Even the largely negative term woke refers to being awake to what's really going on. So whether you're a Russell Brand fan or you consider yourself woke, the point here is that people have a tendency to divide themselves into those who are awake and those who are asleep. And largely, people like to place themselves on the awake side. I'm awake. Everyone else is asleep. And I think that Paul was perhaps the grandfather of this trend. So then, let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. And again, this is a metaphor. Jesus doesn't mean literally never sleep. He's not saying to ignore your circadian rhythm. In this metaphor, night and day are actually concurrent realities. It's not that you go from one into the other, but they're two realities happening at the same time. Night and day are both happening at the same time. We have to choose whether we go through life in the night or in the day. We have to choose. 
And in verse 6 and 7, we're told that if we are not alert, then the reason that we're not alert is that we're unconscious in one way or, or another. Either we have fallen asleep, which means we're not even aware of what is going on, or we are drunk, which means we've intentionally taken something into our lives that numbs the pain, that numbs the sharp edges of life. We've removed ourselves from the reality of God's present kingdom, God's coming kingdom, and what we've done in effect is we've created a dream world we've created a fictitious made-up world that's not rooted in reality it's a form of escapism and so when you wake up or when you red pill like neo in the matrix you find out that staying awake being alert is not a very popular thing it's a lot more socially acceptable to go through life either asleep or intoxicated It's easier to go through life oblivious to the reality of the kingdom of heaven that is this far from us right now. It's a lot easier to pretend that Jesus isn't actually coming back, that the day of the Lord isn't going to come like a thief in the night or like the sudden onset of contractions, like in verse 3. While while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. If you've been in labor, if you're female, you've been in labor, you know that there is no way to escape the pregnancy contractions. You cannot wish them away. You cannot hope them away. They happen. Whether you're awake, whether you're alert, or asleep or drunk. It doesn't change the fact that the day of the Lord is coming. The only thing that changes is if you're ready or not. There's this song by um, the singer called Keith Green, and he leans into this metaphor. He says, the world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave and you, you can't even get out of bed. Oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, get out of your bed. My girls love sleepovers. And one of the things I find very interesting is that Maya, who goes to bed at 9 p.m. or whatever, she develops a remarkable ability during a sleepover to stay awake until the wee hours of the morning. All of, all of my girls do. Of course, she crashes the next afternoon, but she stays awake for the whole night. In fact, that's what happened recently. She stayed awake literally for the whole night, just talking, talking, talking. And here's what I realized is true about my girls and is also true about us, is that what we're unable to do alone, we can do with a group of friends. Staying awake, staying alert is a group activity. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Verse 11, Paul is inviting us all to a sleepover. Encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing encourage one another build each other up encourage one another build each other up staying alert is impossible alone we need a community we need to be building each other up 
We are reducing the influence of those who are sleeping their way through life or numbing their way through life as we encourage each other to stay awake, to live in the day. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Paul's saying that you're rejecting this and you're choosing this. Also notice that Paul's language here is plural. It's inclusive. It's a collective language. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. It's almost like he's looking at around the room and saying, this is who we are. We, 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 we build each other up. We actually help each other put on the armor. We're cinching the straps of each other's armor and we're making sure it fits right. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Verse 11. Staying alert is a group activity. Last Friday, um, not this past Friday, but the Friday before that, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I completed my sermon and I was like, I was like a machine. I was a machine. I went downstairs, you know, into the basement. I was late on everything. I had to get it done. And I woke up at five and I completed my sermon. And then I drove into town to meet a friend of mine. And as I was driving up Prince of Wales, I was listening to the music of John Mark Macmillan. And, okay, this is embarrassing because I'm a 43-year-old man. But I squealed because I was so excited. Okay, can you imagine that? I'm not even going to do it now because it just mortifies me. It's mortifying my daughters as well that they have a squealing dad. But I, I, I actually physically shouted yippee in the car and then I looked around to see if anyone saw. And the reason I was so excited is that I was meeting with a mate of mine, uh, a brother in Christ, who I've been journeying with on and off for many years. And I was just so excited to be with him. Yes, I was tired from an early start. um, But with that, you know, dual euphoria of, of both getting my work done, having it all done, walking out the house and knowing that I was going to meet a friend, it woke me up. I was awake. I was woke. I was an awakening wonder at that moment. I was excited and pumped to be with my brother in Christ, and it was a great time. And uh, if you follow me on social media, you know that I ate way too much, and I had a belly that was full, and I had a soul that was full. Staying alert is a group activity. It's a community job. It's a family affair. And on the days when I'm drifting or tired or weary, and I just want to take a nap from being pastor or holy or a follower of Jesus or living a kingdom life, in those moments when I want to take a nap, I do not have what it takes to keep awake. I do not have what it takes to keep off the proverbial bottle. I need a community around me to stay alert. So AA has it right. NA has it right. Al-Anon has it right. Celebrate recovery. All these 12-step accountability groups have it right because they know that staying alert, staying awake is a community activity. And the reason why it's a community activity is because staying alert is a battle and staying alert is not popular. Be alert. Your country needs alerts. Be alert and of sober mind, your, your, your enemy, the devil, prowls round like a roaring lion looking for someone to 
looking for someone to devour. First Peter 5 verse 8. First Corinthians 16, be on your guard, be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. And the funny thing is, though, is that the people at Thessalonica, they didn't need any of this teaching. They didn't need to hear this at all. They didn't need to be reminded to be alert. Paul actually makes this very clear in the first verse. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, we found out last week that they did need to be informed about what would happen to those who died before Jesus returns. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So they did need that information. That's what we looked at last week. But this whole being ready thing, they were all over that. They were nailing it. They were awake and alert. They were on the edge of their seats, watching the horizon. They were waking up every day saying, is today the day? Is Jesus coming back today? They were awake. They were awakening wonders. So why did Paul tell them, why did Paul tell them what they already knew? Why did he go through and spend 10 or 11 verses explaining to them what they were already the top of the class at? Could it be that he told them because he knew that people like you and I would one day be looking over their shoulders? because we would be reading the letter to the Thessalonians, because we would need to hear this. So as we come to the end of our time together, let's give the Holy Spirit opportunity to speak into our lives. Let's take a few moments to reflect on what we've heard. As you're sat there in your pews, I want to just let us have a few seconds to think through a couple of questions. And the first one is this. Are you fully awake? Are you living in the day? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Are you fully awake? Are you living in the day? Are you prepared for when the day of the Lord comes? Or is it going to surprise you? Are you wearing appropriate clothing? Is your heart protected? Are you wearing the breastplate of faith and love? Right now, as you sit there, is your mind protected? 
Are you wearing the helmet of the hope of salvation? What is the Spirit revealing to you, I wonder, this morning? Luke 12, 37 says this. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them waiting when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Thank you for speaking, Lord. Amen.